Well, if you would, uh, when you walked in today, if you got a program, there should have been a little card that invites people to our Mother's Day uh, celebration. So if you know a mom or your mom or you have ever walked by a mom before, um, if you could go ahead and invite them to come next week, uh, we're going to have a really encouraging Sunday uh, for all of our moms. So don't just throw this away. Um, actually uh, invite a mom uh, Sunday is next Sunday. This morning, uh, the reason we have this table up here is because of my foot. <laughs> but uh, secondly, I want to kind of have a story time with you. So if you brought your blankies, go ahead and pull them out. And uh, we'll cuddle up here, and I'll tell you a story. It's uh, written by Portia Nelson, and Portia Nelson was a uh, author and a storyteller and an actress. And in 1977, she wrote this really cool book called "An Autobiography in Five Short Chapters." So we're going to go through all five chapters this morning, and the cool thing is you can actually leave here today and say, yeah, I read a book today, okay? So here we go. Uh, Listen closely. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I fall in. It's a habit. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. Look it up in Google. You'll laugh a lot more later, okay? It didn't go over so well the first one either. But the last chapter, I walk down a different street. And you know my prayer for every single one of us in this place is that we would walk down a different street. To walk away from addictions and habits and hurts and hang-ups. And to start walking in a new direction with God. And throughout this series, we've been talking about it, that that doesn't happen overnight, that there are steps that we have to go through. And in week one, the first step that we talked about was this. Blessed are the broken. Blessed are the broken. Here we humble ourselves and we say that we are powerless... On our own. Then step two, we talked about you have to be ready to surrender. We just give our life and our will to the care and control of Jesus Christ. And then do whatever He asks us to do. Such as turning to step three, which we talked about, examine myself with Fearless honesty. We just let God look at our character defects and we work on those things. We ask Him to reveal those to us. And finally, we turn to uh, step four from last week. And we said we have to be people who make amends with people who've hurt us. That we have to make amends by extending forgiveness to people who have hurt us or by making amends with people that we've hurt. And I've really been encouraged over this past couple of weeks because I've got a lot of different emails and texts 
from people who've said, you know what, these steps have really helped me out a lot. And I want to thank you for challenging me to do that. And so today what I want to talk about is step number five. And it's this, that we have to think in a whole new way. How do we think in a whole new way? Because that's the key. We have to think in a whole new way. If you would, look with me at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Um, it says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. Did you catch that? It says that if you're in Christ, that you are a new person. That you have a new leader who is leading your life. And you're willing to walk free with a brand new pair of shoes. Now, this past January, I bought these shoes brand new. And I went down to Runner's Forum in uh, Indianapolis. And I decided I was going to run the mini marathon, which I ran yesterday. And uh, finished it and, uh, you know, felt really good about that. Now, when I first bought these new shoes, I loved these shoes. They were nice. I loved the way they smelled. You know, everything was good about them. And I thought, these are going to be the shoes that are going to help me reach my goal five months from now. But throughout the five months, there were times in which I would look at these shoes and I'd be like, ugh, I don't want to run. I want to abandon these shoes. Get rid of them. I want to abandon the training path that I'm on. So the question that I have for you this morning is, how do you stay on a new path? How do you stay on a new path when sometimes circumstances, storms, your own decisions want to take you right back to your old path? How do you keep walking in a new direction, in a different path, today. You see, the problem is is that sometimes we start walking down a new path. We've got the new shoes and we're heading down it and things are going well. We're making some progress. And then as we go through the process, we begin to start thinking, are we there yet? I mean, in February, I was like, am I there yet? Can I just run this now? In March, in April, can I do it now? And yesterday, when the race began, actually before it began, when I was in the corral, I was like, are we there yet? You know? And mile one and two and three and four and five and all the way to 13 and even the point one at the end, am I there yet? I mean, this is a long road in life. This road is just too long. It's too hard. And the problem is with new shoes is that sometimes they get really uncomfortable. So oftentimes what happens is is that the alcoholic turns back to drinking. The user turns back to smoking a joint. The workaholic starts to fill up their schedule again. The person with an explosive temper and anger issues go right back to it. The person who is panic-driven and anxiety-driven, they get overwhelmed. The resentment and the guilt from your past come back to haunt you. And codependency starts to gain control in our lives again. And even though it makes no sense at all, no sense whatsoever, we think to ourselves, you know what? I'll just go back to my old shoes. Because they feel comfortable. They actually feel normal and comfortable. And so we turn back. It's crazy. But we think, you know what, that's normal. That's the thing that I understand. But this here is a new thing. And it's so difficult. And what often happens is that people are tempted to go right back to their old ways. 
Folks, we're all just susceptible to this. Every single person in this room. You're susceptible to destructive behaviors, to backsliding, to going back to your old ways of thinking. And that's why it's so imperative that we know how to walk and keep walking in a new direction with our new shoes. And that leads us to step number five. And step number five says this. I will choose to walk a new direction every day, renewing my mind to a new way of thinking and trusting God's wisdom and power for the transformation. Now, I want you to notice that in this step, folks, it is a daily choice. It's a daily choice to wake up each day and say, I'm going to trust the wisdom and the power of God to change my life. But as you make this choice, I want you to know that there are going to be some potholes that you're going to hit and you're going to run into. I don't know if you've noticed in uh, Muncie and Delaware County over the past... uh, few weeks here, but uh, we're on pothole patrol right now, and they're going around, they're fixing all these potholes, and every time this happens, I think to myself, there are really only two seasons that we face in Muncie, Indiana, winter and road construction, you know what I mean? Like, that's it, winter and road construction. I mean, there are potholes everywhere, and let me share with you some of the potholes that you're going to hit when you go down this new direction. The first one is this, and you need to avoid these. The first one that you need to avoid as you go in this direction is don't revert back to willpower or self-help. Don't revert back to willpower or self-help. We learned in week one that self-help is no help at all. You see, the reality, folks, is if you could already help yourself, you would not be here. You would not need church. You would not need God. You could just do everything on your own. But you can't. And that's why we all need to surrender to the care and control of someone who is higher and stronger and smarter and wiser than we are. Jesus Himself. And when I surrender and I say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Then God gives us a promise. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. For God is working where? Where? In you. Giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. God promises, I will help you. He says, I'll help you. And He will. I don't know about you, but... One of the things that I noticed both in my training for the many, but just in life in general, is that once you start going down a new path, a new direction, a new uh, way in your life, that if you start getting some success and you can measure it, pretty soon you're kind of like this. God, thanks for the help, but don't really need you right now. And what we have a tendency to do is to say, "I got God, I got this one. I got it under control. And our pride and our self-reliance creep back into the picture, and that was the problem in the first place. Galatians 3.3 asks this, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You see, folks, willpower just doesn't work. Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and trying to do things on your own in a new direction, it doesn't work. That's why you took these old shoes off to begin with. Because you said they're dirty and they stink and they smell and I don't want to deal with them. So I'm going to take them off and I want something new in my life. The second pothole that you need to avoid is this. Don't wait to start feeling good before you start doing good. Don't wait to start feeling good before you start doing good. You know, we talked about this last week when we were talking about forgiveness and making amends with people. If you wait until you feel like forgiving people, guess what? It ain't going to happen. I mean, you don't wake up in the morning, and some of you laugh, but it's true. 
You don't wake up in the morning, I know you guys. You don't wake up in the morning and go, oh boy, who am I going to forgive today? You don't wake up that way. You wake up in the morning, you're like, I got to go to work and I got to go work with that person. Bill, ugh, I don't like Bill. I've got to go and work with Susie. Ugh, Susie. And that's what you think. If you wait until you feel like changing, guess what, folks? You're never going to change. But if you choose to do the right thing, whether you like it or not, and this is really important, eventually your feelings catch up to your right behavior. Some of you should write that down. You go through a process where your feelings eventually catch up to your right behavior. The problem is most of you don't give your right behavior enough time to actually catch up. AA has a phrase, fake it until you make it. You just fake it until you make it. Now that's not talking about being inauthentic. It's not about being inauthentic to do the right thing. It's never that. You just do the right thing even if you don't feel like it. Because the reality is this, folks. Your feelings are going to lie to you. They lie to you all the time. Honestly, anytime you start walking in a new direction, anytime you make a change in your life, it's not going to feel good at the beginning. On the first day of running the mini, it felt horrible. January 1, it was cold, my legs hurt, and I only ran one mile. It didn't feel good. I mean, it's the workaholic who finally says, you know what, I want to get my life together. And so they say, I'm going to leave at this particular time so that I can have dinner with my family. And they get there at 6 at night, and they sit around the table, and they look at these people, and they think, I don't see them very often. And then they start going through their dinner, and the whole time the workaholic is thinking to themselves, this feels weird. I should be at work right now. I mean, I'm getting behind because I'm having dinner with all these people. It's the person who chooses to stop drinking or stop smoking for the first time. And when they do this, all of a sudden they feel like, you know, there's something missing in my hands or there's something missing in my mouth and it feels strange. My sister, when uh, she finally quit smoking, she said the thing that was the hardest for her was that every morning she drank coffee when she smoked a cigarette. And she didn't have both hands working together. And it was so difficult to do that at the very beginning. I mean, you've got to get used to your old feelings. Because the problem is, the new one feels so abnormal. But if you focus on doing good rather than feeling good, then eventually your feelings catch up to your behavior, that you want to do the right thing. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. In other words, the feelings catch up eventually. You get this harvest of blessing. If we, what's it say? What? Don't give up if you don't give up. Here's a third pothole that you need to watch for. Don't focus on perfection, just focus on progression. I was with a guy, recovering alcoholic, he was at IHOP. We had uh, lunch together, we were talking about his recovery, and he said, hey man, I learned something this week. It's not about perfection, it's about progression. And I was like, I'm going to use that sometime. That's really good, because it's true. Now when I say that, I'm not talking about this, that if you're an alcoholic, you don't simply say, I'm going to cut back from 10 to 6. Well, I did as good as I could do. No. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about, what I'm saying, is that we set our goals, we set our sights, sometimes so far out. We do this with, if you're in a marriage, you do this all the time. You, 
you put the expectations on your spouse way far out that they should be whatever. It's way out there. Rather than asking God to change you one day at a time. You know, this new life of walking free, folks, is a decision, but then it's followed by a process. Think about the caterpillar. How much does the caterpillar have to struggle in the cocoon before God eventually creates a beautiful butterfly? It doesn't happen overnight, folks. It takes struggle. It takes time. So you can't expect metamorphosis in your own life to happen like that. If it takes that long for nature, folks, it's going to take that long for you to make some changes in your life. And sometimes you take three steps forward and you're like, yeah, three steps forward. And other days you take three steps forward and then two steps back. But I don't know, I'm not a real smart person, especially when it comes to math, but 3 minus 2 is what? You still took one step forward. Philippians 1, verse 6 says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus Returns. It's saying God started this new change in you and he's going to keep on working in it until you are finally transformed. He will keep working with you as long as you're willing to work with him, to walk humbly with him and to surrender each day. Some of you probably know the Lord's Prayer and there's a line within the Lord's Prayer and it says, And give us five years of bread. Right? No. It says, And give us this day our daily bread. You see, the problem is that for some of us, and I fall into this category too, is that sometimes we want five years of bread. And you know why Jesus taught us to pray like that? Because he knew if he, he could do it, he could give you five years of bread. He could give you anything you want. But he knew that if he did that, you would not be dependent upon his heavenly Father. And so that's why he said, just ask for today. So don't set a deadline for yourself and say, I'm going to lick this thing by such and such day. No, you're not. No, you just say, today, God, help me today, one day at a time. And then when that day's over, before your head hits the pillow, you just say, God, thank you so much that you gave me the strength and helped me today. Okay, here's the last pothole. It's a biggie. I don't know if you're ready for it. It's like one of those gigantic ones. It's this. Don't hang around people who will put you down, but hang around people who will pick you up. I got a little cocky on that one, didn't I? (laughs) Make sure that as you're walking in a new direction, that you surround yourself with people who will actually pick you up rather than put you down. Many of you know my story from college. When I went to college, I pretty much rebelled against everything. Now, I faked it really good. But my life was a mess, and I was miserable. And from drinking and partying all the time, sexual exploits, all that kind of stuff, and I just kind of gave up on what I was raised in and just kind of went off on my own. Got in a relationship with a a young woman, and uh, was not healthy at all. And I just noticed from my sophomore year and my junior year in college, just totally changing. And at the end of my junior year, I was a mess, and I was miserable. And I started being so disappointed. That's why pain's good, because pain helps you not 
to do the same thing again. And I was so disappointed that when I started looking internally at myself, part of it was, too, I started looking around the people I was hanging out with and the relationship that I was in. And many of them, folks, were just holding me back, putting me down rather than building me up. And so in the summer of my junior year, I returned to college and I started distancing myself from some of those people, from some of those relationships that were bringing me down. Now, I didn't act holier than thou. I didn't walk around and go, I found Jesus. Turn or burn, you hell-bound person. I just set some healthy boundaries in my life. And much of that would have never happened if it hadn't have been for my wife. What my wife at the time sure was hoping. I mean, I like married way up. You all know that. I'm not telling you anything different. But I like married way, way up, you know. And uh, she helped me to make some changes in my life that really helped me to be a wise person. I just got to the point where I had to tell some people that I was walking down a different street and that's the way I was going to walk. You know, a lot of times what happens is we courageously come here to church and we hear from God and maybe there's something in the music or something in the teaching and we feel God speaking to us and we're like, I'm ready to make that change and then we walk out that door right there and we get sucked right back in to the crowd who is helping us to lead a destructive life rather than a healthy life. Galatians 5.7 asks this, You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Maybe it's who you're running with that's slowing down your progress. The Bible says this, Bad company corrupts good behavior. I'm not talking about the rock band bad company, because some of you are like, no, they didn't. I love them, man. No, but bad company sometimes corrupts. Then sometimes, always does. Bad company corrupts good character. If you really want to get well, you may have to distance yourself from some of your friends. You might have to walk with a a different group of people. You may have to get rid of a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I have no doubt that the breakup that I made in my junior year in college created so much healing in my life and so much going further that if I would have stayed in that, I would have been divorced. You know why I know that? Because the person that I was with at that point is divorced now. And there's pain and hurt in her life. And I would have followed that track. Sometimes you've got to make a really hard choice. I remember that day so vividly. I broke up with her and I called my dad and I was crying like a little girl. I'm 21 years old, going into my senior year, and I'm bawling on the phone. You know why? Because there was a lot of good stuff in that relationship that I didn't want to leave. But it was destructive. You might have to get a whole new circle of friends who are going to build you up and not pull you down. Folks, if you're going to walk in a new direction, you can't worry about what your old friends are going to say. See, the problem with many of us is that we want to please people more than we want to please God. And so we do things that are just weird. And the chances are this, that your friends with those destructive behaviors, they they think you're courageous. But because they're not making that choice, they want to pull you back. You see, people either pull you forward or they pull you back. No one pulls you at a neutral position. Live your life to please an audience of one. Because you think about it. Look what Jesus has done for you. He saved you. He forgave you. He put you in this new path. He's the one who is working and molding 
your life into the man and woman that you dream of being. You see, all of us have a dream of wanting to become something more, to become something better, to be the person that we see. But we can't do it on our own. If you would, join me in reading this next passage of Scripture. It's in uh, Romans chapter 12. Let's read this out loud together. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is pleasing and perfect. Now look at that for a moment. Basically what the scripture is saying is that there are two parts. There is God's part and then there is your part. God's part is the transformation. You can't change yourself and you can't change other people. God is the one who makes changes. In fact, the Greek word here for the word transform is metamorpho. You want know metamorpho is metamorphosis. It's the caterpillar who's in the cocoon who can not get out on their own. It's the caterpillar. In its own strength, its own willpower, it can't do it. It can only change into a beautiful butterfly when it surrenders to the transforming power of God. God says, that's my part. So what's your part? Well, the scripture says our part is to renew our mind with a whole new way of thinking. It says let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing your mind. That's your part, to change your mind. When you surrender your life to God, when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sin, and you lead your life, you are forgiven and you are set free. It's a done deal. Your eternal security is given. Eternal destination, secure. But, you have, but maybe you've discovered, kind of like me, that when you start going down this new path, and you're going really, really well, and things are going well, that there isn't a delete button in your head. You see, you still have to wrestle with some of those old thoughts, that old way of thinking that is still there. Some of those old patterns of reacting to people. Those don't just automatically go away. So that's why we have to turn back to step five. Now let's read this out loud together. We wrote it down. Now let's read it out loud. I will choose to walk a new direction every day, renewing my mind to a new way of thinking and trusting God's wisdom and the power for the transformation. Folks, I want you to know that this is a daily choice. And if this choice gets made, who's going to choose it? You are. You make the choice. Each day, you just wake up and you say, I'm going to trust the wisdom and the power of God to change me. I'm going to cooperate God into my life. I'm going to trust Him to do His part, and I'm going to do my part by renewing my mind daily because that's the path I desperately want to walk. So how do you do that? How do you access the power of God on a daily basis? What are some of the things that you can do to stay on the new path? Because remember, you're going to be tempted to get off the path. How do you stay on the path? Well, first of all, folks, you've got to take off your old shoes. You've got to take off your old shoes. You've just got to take them off. You might set them up somewhere that you see them every once in a while so that you're reminded, I am no longer that. I am not that anymore. I never want to put those shoes back on again. Why? Because they stink. If you don't believe me, come on up and take a whiff. They're dirty. They're nasty. They stink. Ephesians 4.22 says this, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life. You just say that that was my old self, but I'm not going back there again. And then you put on a new pair 
of shoes. If you take something off, you have to put something back on. You put on a new pair of shoes. The Bible says this, put on the new self which is created in God's likeness and reveals itself in true life that is upright and holy. The best way, folks, that I know how to walk in new shoes, what this represents, what is new shoes? How do I renew my life daily? And it begins with when you first wake up, that you surrender yourself to God. I do this almost every single morning. I wake up, I roll off the side of my bed, and I either get on my knees or I just stay in bed and I lay myself flat and I go, God, today I am surrendering all to you. This entire day is to you. And God, I'm going to leave one ear open to heaven all day as I go through my day. And God, if you want to say something to me, if you want to whisper today, I will obey. And then I go off with the rest of my day. You know what that's called? Prayer. That's what a new pair of shoes is. It's prayer. And what is prayer? It's just a conversation between you and God. Two friends talking together. And it involves both speaking and listening. Don't you hate friends who all they ever do is and then you jump in and you're like and then and they just keep no. You've got to listen. And God speaks to you. He'll speak to your spirit. It's just a conversation between two friends. And God's your best friend. You know why God's your best friend? Because he never gets tired of listening to you. You know how many of your friends get tired of listening to you? You know how many times I've gotten tired of listening to you? God doesn't. Now the reality is, though, people get very overwhelmed about prayer. They're like, oh, what, what is that? You know? And so we have a prayer pamphlet that's at the resource table that you can pick up today. It just takes about seven minutes to help you through going through knowing how to pray. One of the best, things, one of the best pamphlets I ever got uh, in my early 20s was this. And uh, seven minutes. Takes you through that. So prayer is the new shoes that you have to start your day on um, and a whole new way, way of thinking. But there are other types of shoes that you need to wear too. Now, these shoes here are what I call geeky shoes. My wife makes me wear these on Sunday, but today my foot is so swollen I couldn't fit into anything. But, and I apologize if any of you are wearing these kind of pointed geeky shoes today, but these are geeky shoes. They always remind me of my professors or teachers from high school or college. You know, they always wore certain shoes. You're like, ugh. And then they'd get up there and look like a geek. And uh, I just want you to know this. There's nothing geeky about knowledge. There's nothing geeky about acquiring knowledge by studying God's Word. There's nothing geeky about studying His Word. Because if you want to walk a whole new way, you've got to think a whole new way. And if you want to think a whole new way, then you've got to do a whole bunch of new stuff. And one of those stuff things is that you have to do is regularly be in God's Word. The one way that God will always speak to you. You know how God speaks to me every single day? When I read His words. He always speaks through them. Because they're His words. I'm talking about Bible, a regular kind of digging into God's Word and letting it transform you. Psalm 119 says this. Let's read this out loud together. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. Folks, if you're going to go in a whole new direction... You have to re-wallpaper your mind. When Jennifer and I first got married, there was this nasty wallpaper uh, in the parsonage, the church home. And uh, we you know, spent time getting it down, and the secretary kind of helped us to get it all down. And you finally get it down, you're like, it is so much work, just leave it the way it is. You know what I mean? Don't even do anything. But if you're going to pull something down, folks, you've got to replace it 
with something new. You've got to re-wallpaper your mind. You've got to put something new up. The Bible says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things. Now that's not in your teaching outline, but some of you probably should write it down. You don't have to write all the words down, just write the scripture verse. So that this week you'll get your mind to thinking, whatever is true, noble, pure, praiseworthy, trustworthy, that's what I'm going to think of. You start filling your mind with those things, and all of a sudden you get new truth and new perspective. And when you memorize it, you internalize it, you meditate on it, even you pray through his words. And all of a sudden your mind gets re-wallpapered in a way in which is a new direction. And it's God's way, the best way. The Word of God really can change you. Now, this next passage of Scripture, we're not going to pull it up on the side screens, because I know you all know it. If any of you were here in October, and that includes many of you, uh, we had Colossians 3.16 in our series, 40 Days in the Word. Now, if you weren't here, you can just say, who cares? But for those of you who were here, remember we memorized one scripture verse per day. And so, I'm just going to go around with a mic and see how many of you remember Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you what? Richly. See, folks, if you don't let it dwell in you richly, then you're going to go back to your old ways of thinking. Stinking thinking happens when you don't let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Everybody needs a geeky parachute. And uh, the reason is because that gives us knowledge. And at the resource table, we have a reading plan, five minutes in the Word, that you can start a reading plan and you can know the teachings of Christ within a few months just by doing the plan each day, one day at a time. It's only about 15 to 20 verses that you read and you just do it each day. See, the problem with some of you is you're like, I'm going to read the Bible. And then you go and you read seven chapters on Monday. You're like, I'm pumped up. And then four months later, guess how many chapters you've read? Seven. Because you try to take on way too much. You've got to make it small. So some of you should get that. Everybody uh, needs a different pair of shoes, too. Now, these aren't my shoes, but they reminded me of shoes that my mother used to wear. And these were her slipper dance shoes. And she would wear these, and my mom really loves God, and every once in a while she'd just walk around the house with her nightgown, and she would dance. And you know, that was really cute and fun when you were five. When you're 15, not so much, you know? And so we had to retire these shoes. But um, these are dance shoes. And every once in a while, folks, you've just got to dance. Now, I was going to impress some of you today with some of my dance moves, but I hurt my foot, uh, and so I'm sparing you from that. Now, how many of you think that you have really good rhythm? Raise your hand. Like, you're a good dancer. Go ahead, put it up, if you think you're good. Okay? You know what we call you, right? Liars. I've seen some of you dance. It does not look very good at all. In fact, it looks like this. Look at the side screens for a second. All right. Who's dancing? Come on, who's dancing? Want me, want me to get it started? Okay. Yes. okay. How many remember that from Seinfeld? Yeah, Sweet, fancy Moses. Some of you look like that. Okay? But this is the thing, folks. It really doesn't matter. You should just dance. I mean, we all need to dance on the inside. 
And you know what that dance includes? Having a life that is filled with joy and gratitude. That each day you wake up and you're filled with joy and gratitude and you're walking into this new direction and you choose joy and gratitude. You see, you choose how joyful you're going to be today. No one else makes that choice, you do. That's because gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. You choose what your life is going to look like and how grateful you'll be. And every once in a while, you just have to dance over little victories. I had two people that came up uh, this, uh, this morning for some prayer. And one of them said, you know what? I've been uh, sober for 25 days. And I said, great, we're going to dance. And I had my crutches on. They're like, no, you don't have to dance. You know what I mean? But the problem is sometimes you just got to dance when you are reminded of that. 25 days sober. We should dance for that. I've put some healthy boundaries in my life. And I'm not falling into codependency. I'm really living. Well, dance. I haven't viewed porn on the computer for the last six months. Well, dance. I finally forgave my dad. Well, dance. You see, one of the areas in my life that I'm working on right now is time management. I'm horrible at it. So I've really been working hard. i got a list. I check things off. I have someone that holds me accountable every single week. Last week, I was on time at one point for 14 times in a row. Now, when the 15th time came and I was late... Do you think I went, oh gosh, what a horrible person you are. Go back to your old, dirty, nasty shoes. No! I dance, I'm like, 14, 14, next week we'll do a little bit better. You see, some of you don't dance very much. And you need to celebrate the small victories in your life. And you celebrate the goodness of God. And you're able to worship Him. And you live in constant awareness that God is blessing your life. And this is the truth, folks. If God never did another thing for you for the rest of your life, you're blessed. He went to a cross just for you. And sometimes I am so overwhelmed with gratitude just for the fact that He did that for me, that I have a home in heaven. It's not based upon what I do, but He did that for me. The Bible says this, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Everybody needs to put on some dance shoes every once in a while. Well, there's one more pair that uh, we need to put on. Guys may understand this a little bit more, but uh, these are cleats. And uh, cleats are a team shoe. I mean, I don't know very many people that go to the store and they're like, yeah, I'm going to buy some cleats to walk around in my house. You know, kind of like that. Now, you, you buy cleats when you're going to actually, you know, do something as a team. Cleats are not an individual shoe. They're a team shoe. And recovery is not an individual thing. Recovery is a team thing. Nobody recovers alone. Nobody walks alone. We need support from people. In fact, you need a small group of four you people in your life. You need people in your life who are for you no matter what. They're for you when you succeed. They're for you when you fail. They're for you when it's ugly, when it's pretty, when it's in between. The good, the bad, the ugly. They are for you. And the best place that I know to find for you people is either in a small group or on Celebrate Recovery at 7 o'clock on Thursdays. And some of you need some for you people, and they're here, you just haven't walked that direction yet. And I strongly encourage you to do that. You know, there are three songs.
that I can actually play on the piano. One is chopsticks. Not too hard, but sometimes I have screwed that up before. The second one is Amazing Grace. I know how to play that. And the last one is this one. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum. Now, what is that? Lay on me. Some of you in your 20s right now are like, I have no idea. Google it, okay? Lean on me. It's a really good song. But Lean on Me was actually stolen from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is what it says. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real You've got to have support, folks. You've got to have some people in your life who are for you. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through my life, and I'm so grateful that I meet with Chuck Mock, who's our Celebrate Recovery, every single Wednesday. Because every once in a while, I just need that person that's like, I'm for you. I'm not for you because you're the pastor. I'm not for you because you did a good teaching Sunday. I'm not for you for any other reason. I'm just for you because you're Chris. And some of you need people like that. You know, over the past five weeks, we have been challenged to embrace God and to walk in freedom in a new way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you what? It will set you free. And we've been talking about truth over these past five weeks. Truth that could set you free. Some of you have been hearing this truth for weeks or months or even years. And please, hear God ask you again, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Isn't it about time to let the truth set you free? And I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. You know, the truth about Jesus Christ, His Father, who knows Him better than anyone else, His heavenly Father gave these words. He said, Look, I'm setting a stone, a cornerstone, in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. He says there's a cornerstone and a relationship with that stone. You'll never regret it. You'll never have disappointment. You'll never have shame. Well, this morning I want to give you a chance to get real with God. And so this is the way we're going to do it. The band's going to close us in a song called Cornerstone. And a powerful song. And after we're done with that, uh, we'll pray and we'll dismiss you. But for some of you, you really haven't made Christ your cornerstone. And I can't think of anything that's more important today than saying he's going to be my cornerstone. And for others of you, right now, your world is so shaky. You're like shaking sand, shifting, shaking sand, that you need a moment with the rock. You need a moment with God. You just need someone to come up here. You need to lay your hand and say, you know what, I need something solid in my night life. I need something that's going to be a cornerstone. When I walk down this new journey, I don't want to build it by myself. I want to build it on something that's solid. And you just need a moment with a rock. You need something rock solid. And so uh, we're going to sing this song and then after that I'll be up here to uh, pray with anyone who just needs a moment with a rock. The solid rock of Jesus Christ to touch your life. My hope is built on nothing less. 
need a lot of crutches so but this morning in the first celebration the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so much that uh, some of you've been on crutches for a really long time and you've been hiding it and you keep thinking you're going a new direction but the reality is you're just on crutches you're limping away. And, you know, I, I had a stress fracture. I came here today, barely could walk. But the reason I did was because I felt like God just really wanted some of you not to leave from this place today without making him the cornerstone of your life. Or if your life right now is shaky, and it's shifting, I wouldn't leave here without having a moment with the rock. And so we're going to dismiss you. The band's going to kind of play us out a little bit. But if you need a moment with the rock, I can't think of anything on your schedule today.
that would be more important than having a moment of prayer. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to pray with people to have their moments with the rock. And we saw literally 20 people. They were lined up all the way down this. I was just amazed. Don't go out here with crutches. Go out here in a new way. And God can do that for you. Let's pray. God, we want to think a whole new way, but for some of us, God, we, we need to put, the, put a line in the sand and say, God, we want you to be our rock. And so, God, I pray right now that you'd work in people's lives through the power of your Holy Spirit and that no one would leave this place if they don't need to have a little conversation, a little prayer with the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name.